The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome in to the sunny Thursday edition of the Leach Report. We are coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington. And we'll talk today with Mike Pratt, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and we'll finish up with Kent Spencer from WHAS-TV in Louisville. And the Wildcat news of the day is led off by the news that broke late yesterday afternoon. Out of the Houston Chronicle, a story that says Texas and Oklahoma have reached out to the SEC about joining the league. So it could be a 16-team Southeastern Conference. Various reports say the talks are very advanced. Uh, Paul Feinbaum, I saw him on uh, ESPN, and he's as connected to anybody within this league, of course, from the SEC network. He said the talks he thinks are, quote, pretty far down the track. Um, he says the SEC's interested for a couple of reasons. They don't want Texas and Oklahoma to go to another league and because of TV money. And I think now with streaming becoming a bigger deal and ESPN's always looking to get to put more pressure on uh, sub, uh, cable companies to carry them and to increase the price for carrying them. And uh, so... All of that, not surprisingly, money is going to be the big driver. 11 of 14 SEC teams would need to approve this. And so far, Texas A&M, one of their reps has come out strongly against it. They want to be the only team from Texas in the SEC. Um, my my guess would be that uh, it would probably get approved. Uh, like, well... Uh, Tony Barnhart uh, tweeting out, if the vote is ever taken on admitting uh, the two teams, he says it'll be 14 to 0 in parenthesis publicly. Uh, privately, I don't know if anybody other than Texas A&M would oppose it. Again, mainly because of the money aspect. Uh, Tony's tweet, and again, this is a longtime college football reporter who is well connected. He said, this much we know, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12. The question is where we, where they will go. He says, the other thing we know is if Texas and OU join the SEC, the conference will have to completely rethink its football scheduling model. Um, If they stayed with divisions, uh, one of the projections I saw had uh, Alabama and Auburn being added to the SEC East in Texas and Oklahoma going to the West. So a lot to shake out probably in uh, in a short amount of time on this. It'll probably play out pretty quickly. I would think one thing that uh, might push back against it could be you know, some political concerns, especially in the state of Oklahoma, if Oklahoma is leaving Oklahoma State behind. And uh, there will certainly be some pushback on that um, and whatever influence Texas A&M has uh, versus Texas in political circles. Uh, A&M may try to... Uh, call in some of those favors at this point but uh, i think we'll see it all play out probably sooner rather than later on to a couple of other things season network's joe tessitore reported on a text exchange
excuse me, had to cough on a text exchange he had with Rams head coach Sean McVay. And McVay was talking to him about Liam Cohen, who comes to UK, of course, from the Rams. McVay texted, expect him to use motions, formations, tempo as a weapon to apply pressure on the defense. Spent the last three seasons as one of my most trusted coaches who I heavily relied on behind the scenes. Strong communication skills. Got a chance to visit with Coach Cohen uh, last week. Uh, really, you can see the communication skills component of it in in that visit. Um how he uh, really easy is really easy to connect with. So looking forward to uh, seeing how his offense plays out in this upcoming season. Uh, more Cole Kubelik rankings that you will like. He has Kentucky's offensive line ranked as the best in the SEC. Chris Rodriguez on the watch list for the Doak Walker Award that goes to the nation's top running back. Offensive lineman Kenneth Horsey nominated for the College Football Coaches Association Good Works team. And three U.K. golfers have qualified to play in the U.S. Amateur. Cooper Parks being the latest uh, qualified at an event in Bowling Green. Jacob Cook, Garrett Wood were already qualified for the U.S. Am. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find those each and every day on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're heading to a break. We'll chat with Mike Pratt when we come right back. It is the Leach Report, Radio Network for Thursday. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Quarter past the top of the hour on this Thursday edition of the Leach Report. We go to the drinksword.com hotline to bring on Mike Pratt. And uh, on this day, after the news broke yesterday out of the Houston Chronicle, we'll uh, get everybody's take on the Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC possibility uh, Mike, what do you think about it? Uh, I'm not as excited as some. I, I, I don't think it's uh, necessarily good for football. I think the league's tough enough. And, um, if I was uh, coaches, some coaches at, at certain schools, I might be uh, I might be totally against it. Um, so basketball wise, Tom, it's a little different. But again, I don't know what they. I mean, the league's going to be. And, and it has been had its stretches where it's really good, and I think we're entering into one of those right now. Just seems to me like um, if we're going to go to Texas, Oklahoma, let's just forget about that and add West Virginia. It's just up the road, right? I mean, th- these leagues that are getting far flung, and they're probably going to get it's going to get worse. I would think. You know that I don't know if that you lose the sense of a rivalry. Uh, with with different schools, and uh, I think then you lose the urge to watch some of these games. I think ultimately because you don't um, you don't have a feel for the team. If Texas and Oklahoma leave for the SEC, if that happens, it you know inevitably sets off a chain reaction because the Big 12's not much left there. So they've yep. those te- those teams have got to run for cover and find some some place to land. Well, if, I would say if they leave, West Virginia would be the next one to leave, maybe. They might uh, go to the ACC now because the SEC has taken two. I don't think they could take three, but that's geographically a natural. Now, whether uh, the ACC and their all-high-and-mighty academic uh, thought, thought of uh, thinking of themselves 
might not think West Virginia is that attractive. I don't know. But I think athletically, it's very attractive. I think it's very attractive to the SEC. It's all going to be driven by uh, by money, and, and Texas is obviously the biggest one in something like this with you know the population in the state and all the, the eyeballs that you bring for the TV network negotiations. Um, but, you know, this seems to be, if this happens, moving in the direction of something Calipari talked about probably around the first time he got, around the time he got here, of like four mega conferences in college sports. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, look, I just gave you my opinion on it, how I felt about it. It's it's just like uh, name, image, and likeness four years ago. You see it coming down the road. It's on the train track. You better be prepared to deal with it before it runs you over. And, uh, you know, I, I, I and it's coming. And I think Calipari was way ahead of his time when he said that, you know, that he had four or five super conferences. And in basketball, it, it, I think it's a lot different than football in that regard. So, um, you know, Tom, it's, uh, it, it is all about the eyeballs. I have to ask you, though, uh, what happens to the Longhorn Network? Yeah, I wonder about that, too. I, and I don't yeah. know. I can't see them. Uh, okay, really, you know, It's hard to see them incorporating that into this and letting Texas stand alone from – you know, 15 other schools that have, you know, uh, have bought into the SEC, would have bought into the SEC network. Yeah, it, it's the SEC network, their partnership with Disney, ESPN, the whole deal. It's been very good, and it's been very financially rewarding, okay? What are you going to do? Are you going to let Texas in and say, okay, you get none of the uh, TV money that we currently have for the length of whatever your contract is, Okay. Your contract is left for, you know, four or five years. You get that money, but you're not going to get in, in, in any of our money. And I don't know if that could be done. But, I mean, they, they can't. You know the SEC is not going to let them bring their network in. It's just too profitable, too big for the SEC. few things that could or, or would happen, and, and on the, the, uh, the definitely would happen uh, – side of the equation would be that Notre Dame would become the prettiest girl in the school and the ACC and the Big Ten are going to be doing everything they can to get her to go to the prom with them. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. And uh, Notre Dame's got a, a pretty high uh, self-image of themselves, and uh, it'll be interesting where they land. Uh, both those leagues will be after them. It probably will be uh, be a great addition to either one of them, Okay. If I was if I was uh, Notre Dame, I would I would stay right up there geographically with the Big Ten. I wouldn't. Uh, of course, it's easier in the ACC. Let's be honest. You know, the Big Ten's yep. another world. Okay, so maybe they say I want to take the easier route competition wise. But you got to include all the expenses for all the sports, Bob, uh, when you play in the ACC. You can't move. Uh, you can't move South Bend to North Carolina and say, okay, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wonder about, because Kentucky fans um, love the the non-conference big marquee basketball matchups. We'll see them this year with Duke and Michigan and uh, Ohio State and uh, Louisville and Kansas. And um, at, uh, at some point, if you add two more teams to the league, you're going to be pushing conference games back into December. And yep. prob- probably adding more conference games. So 
some of those, you know, yeah, on one hand, you would have maybe a, another game or two in Rupp. Maybe that's a good thing, but you may lose some of those. I would think you would lose some of those non-conference matchups. Yeah, you probably would unless they are allowed to. The NCAA says you can play unlimited games or two more than what you've normally taken. The good news is I would say that you're correct. They'll start playing in December. And if you bring in two teams, I'm sure that you're going to get a home team from one of those two, I think, every year to right. balance things out, I would think. So, yeah, yeah. that'll help the home schedule. Uh, I don't think this deal has, has a, as much effect on basketball as football, Tom. I really don't. Yeah, and, I think uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, even if you, you, they didn't like the divisions, but you might have to go back to the division. Coaches tried it, said they didn't like it, ruled it out. So maybe they go back to divisions. I don't know uh, in basketball. But, boy, I'll tell you what, you talk about upsetting the apple cart in football. Oklahoma and Texas would put – it'll be a challenge for everybody. Yeah, and the the other thing I wonder about is, you know, if if you have more mega – uh, financial deals, and in the wake of the you know, the recent latest Supreme Court ruling involving college sports, at some point for the people who don't like name, image, and likeness, you may like you know uh, a move to pay college players even less. But that might be coming too. It might be. Um, you know that's that's dicey with with mm, it is withholding and all those kind of things. But yep, somebody's going to throw that out once the name, image, and likeness shakes out. We find out that we either get a blanket coverage for all schools or ever how it shakes out. I think once that settles, the dust settles, that's the next thing on the table. Uh, and I don't think it'll pass, but it's it's coming too. It's it's on that track <laughs> along hey, with that super conference. Quick thought on the uh, NBA Finals, uh, wrapping up with the Bucks winning their first title in 50 years. Uh, Giannis was just incredible in game in this clincher, and I thought uh, Devin Booker certainly uh, enhanced his reputation in the uh, postseason. No question. He's become a household name now. Everybody's got a chance to get a good look at the kid and what he can do, and it it was great. I wish he could have won, but uh, his his performance elevated him in the eyes of uh, basketball people, I'm sure. And Giannis, you got a chance to see uh, one of the most spectacular performances, Tom, you could put on in that type of game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of neat that he ended up staying in Milwaukee. I mean, um, there was a thought that he'd do what, you know, so many other players had done and go try to put a team together with other players somewhere else. And he elected to, to stay with the team he started with, and they were able to make it happen. Instead of the super teams, what will be the put together by players or agents or whoever, um, we might see a coming uh, of the grow your own team, okay? Pick mm-hmm. up some pieces along the way, but grow your own. That's going to be a fascinating piece of uh, the NBA over the next couple of years. Will this be the way? Because it's always a copycat league. One team pick and roll, they all pick and roll. I mean, it's like football. I mean, you, you got so many plays. It's a, it's a player's deal. So what happens? Do they go the route uh, of growing your own because of this? That's going to be interesting. At Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter is where you follow him there. Thank you, sir, for the time. Okay, buddy. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated getting loose in the on-deck circle for this Thursday edition of the Leach Report. We'll chat with him when we come right back.
This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. 27 past the top of the hour as Justin Rowland joins us from CatsIllustrated.com. And uh, Justin, when uh, you heard the news yesterday about the possibility of Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC, what was your reaction? Definitely out of the blue, but I think if you if you think about how the last the last round of conference expansion went, it's not surprising uh, in that long view. Just how destabilized the Big Twelve is with the top heavy, you know, power brokers and really a lot of schools uh, in those farm states that don't have that clout and feeling unbalanced. That's just league has always felt ready to to fall apart and. It's been a question of where those teams at the top are going to go. The SEC's been lucrative and good for Texas A&M, and not surprising that they would be interested in wanting to make the move. If um, this happens, then uh, I would think the the Big 12 wouldn't be sustainable, and then those schools have to find a place to land. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, some of them, I would imagine, like Oklahoma State, for instance, Baylor, especially with their, with their athletics program all around, having so much success, would be able to land on their feet somewhere. But some, I mean, you're talking even Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, those schools have always been in a precarious situation. Oklahoma State, you know, releasing a statement yesterday about how disappointed they are and appealing to loyalty and exploring their options and, and also kind of in the dark still. Um, this thing was leaked, and it seems like a lot of the stuff is coming out from Texas A&M. And, uh, you know... I don't think we know a whole lot, but Texas A&M really doesn't want this to happen, it seems like. No, they don't, and that's what I said. The the thing that now will start to push back against this is the politics in Texas at Oklahoma from Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. And there are a lot of dynamics at play, you know, like, like Georgia and Kentucky and South Carolina. And some of these schools in the east have not wanted their in-state rivals in the SEC. You think Louisville or Clemson? Uh, or Georgia Tech, uh, and they've kind of been been a block or a bulwark against um, that further expansion into states that are already SEC states. Uh, but once you get to 16 teams, do you even have to worry about another further round of expansion? I don't know if that block would, would hold together. So I think if you can add Texas and Oklahoma, it's going to be very hard to make the case against that because it would be so lucrative. Justin Rollins with us from CatsIllustrated.com on the DrinkSword.com hotline. We'll come right back to continue the discussion in just a few minutes. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio in Lexington, it is the Leach Report for Thursday. We're chatting with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. On Twitter, it is at Roland Rivals. Anything that uh, you've heard from the Kentucky side out of SEC media days that you thought was particularly noteworthy this week, Justin? I just don't think there's been a lot of, you know, big revelations. I mean, there's confirmation about the Keaton Upshaw injury and Luke Fortner is going to be at center. But these are these are things that had kind of been rumored in the in the time leading up to it. But you know, you just just it's a very different feel when Stoops gets up on the podium now. I think he still gets a little bit nervous, but he uh, he he's certainly one of the most tenured and respected coaches in the SEC. And wasn't surprised that a lot of the focus was on the change in the offense. That's what everybody's going to be watching, and right, rightfully so. That's going to determine how far they go. The uh, impact of the uh, Upshaw injury, how uh, significant is it for you? 
I think it's a big deal. I mean, I, I was starting to look at the pieces they had on offense with Wandale and Josh Ali, and you think Upshaw and Rigg and a really good tight ends room and very gifted, talented offensive line and some quarterbacks with pedigree and thinking this could be one of the most improved offenses in the country. And Upshaw's versatility and hybrid function as a tight end, uh, his mismatch ability, one of the, the only downfield threats that they have on the roster, I think is significant. I mean, he's a, he's a guy with a big catch radius who... He was close to some big plays in the, in the vertical game last year, and they would have been able to employ those skills uh, this year. He's just a different player than Brendan Bates and Justin Rigg, and I think that's a big loss. Uh, Rigg is uh, not a guy that you – he's a you know, solid pass catcher, outstanding blocker, not a guy that's going to probably stretch the field. Uh, what about Bates? How much upside is there there? I think he's going to be a really good player in the mold of Conrad and Rigg. I think he was in line, I looked it up, 63% of the time. Compare that to, to Keaton Upshaw, who was on the line, hand in the ground, uh, 47% of the time. So Keaton was, was off the line, detached more than half the time, and Bates was on the line even more than Riggs. So they're, just, they're kind of on the polar ends of the spectrum of what kind of tight end you're looking at. And, and that's more. They can still run 12 personnel, but depth is also a question. It makes you ask how, how far along is Jordan Dingle, the freshman, going to be? I was just going to say, uh, what a, who are other names that fans should be paying attention to, either as tight ends or wide receivers that could maybe be used in some uh, different type of a role in one of yeah, Coach Cohen's yeah. schemes? I think the two receiver would have to be Isaiah Cummings, who was going to have an impact last season, but for some setbacks right before it started up. And then um, the other would be Trayvon Morgan, the, the big six six transfer from Michigan State receiver, like six 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 seven. Could he be that kind of Ahmad Wagner guy? Could, could and Isaiah Cummings is just very physically impressive too. But you have to wonder how Nick Ogninovich is feeling transferring to Akron this off season. He would have been in line for probably a, a good amount of playing time now. But you just never know. You know, uh, it was too bad for Ahmad Wagner. He wasn't born about two years later because he would have been a perfect fit in this offense. Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, I think receiver, I, I don't buy that it's like the worst power five receiver room in the country. I just don't believe that. I think it's a little bit more promising than we, we've maybe talked about this offseason. Ali and Wandale are going to be really good. I've heard good things about Chauncey Magwood and Dekel Crowdis. at uh, the freshman receivers. And i got several others that, I mean, Isaiah Epps, he, he started to show his earlier form at the end of last season the potential vertical threat. So I think they've got enough pieces to have a quality room. Yeah, Stoops recently uh, mentioned Epps. He's a guy that they have long hoped, and if he could stay healthy, would be a guy that could be that player to take the top off the defense, as the saying goes. Yeah, if you just look at the really advanced analytic stats, he was targeted, I think the average target for Epps was like 18 yards downfield. And for a team that didn't throw the ball downfield much, the coaches clearly thought that he was somebody who could beat a defense deep, and it just didn't work, and part of that was Stoops alluded to it. Accuracy with the deep ball has to get better. It wasn't a strength of Terry Wilson, and that's why they're, they're kind of excited about Joey Gatewood coming out of the, the spring. He was able to push it downfield with better accuracy. And that's the, the main thing it seems that uh, Stoops would, would like to add is just to have that home run component, and it should you know, it should be there given how well they run the ball and they have a solid offensive line. just doesn't make sense that they weren't able to hit more play-action passes over the top. That's kind of the, in, in today's game, that's kind of the point 
of your power running game. I mean, they got some mileage out of the ground game, but 780, 800 yards last year from C-Rod, um, really the, the purpose, the function that should serve is opening up that deep game, and it just didn't happen. So I'm of the mind that the passing game was so broken, improvement is inevitable, and that's going to make the whole thing look a lot better. It's just a question of how, how improved is it going to be. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point because I think uh, I think one thing it'll be in uh – Sean McVay mentioned earlier this text exchange that he had that Joe Tessitore reported on uh, when Joe te- uh, texted him for some thoughts about Liam, Liam Cohen. And he said, expect him to use motions, formations, tempo as a weapon to apply pressure on the defense. Um, I think uh, Eddie uh, Grant offensively was, was very creative in some of the things he did, uh, but primarily in the run game. And you saw that most clearly in in the year where Lynn Bowden moved into the quarterback job. But uh, I think we'll see a lot more complexity in, in Kentucky's passing attack now. I agree. You, you hear after every season, there's kind of a pendulum. And and this is everywhere. You hear coaches say, we've got to scale it back this offseason, or we've got, to, we've got to get back to fundamentals and simplify and get back to basics. And this year seems to be the opposite of that. One of the questions I have about this team is, Although you anticipate improvement on offense, how are 18, 19, 20-year-olds going to take to the entire Los Angeles Rams playbook? I mean, I think that's a, that's a big question. I'm not saying they can't do it, but I'm interested in how they grasp that and, and how the mental side of the game is for guys who are not only changing systems, but they're, they're stepping up in terminology and in, and in understanding. I think that's going to be complex. And that's why I've said uh, I don't doubt that uh, Levis, if you made a morning line, is the, the favorite to be the quarterback. But once they get out there on the field and put them under stress, the quarterbacks, then um, that, you know, if, if you're you know, Joey Gatewood, to a lesser extent, Bo Allen, that's where uh, you can you know, make your case. And you know, you're going to need to make it early, I would think. Yeah, there's so many variables. I mean, if you just go by arm talent, athleticism, physicality, intelligence, experience, I think Levis is probably the guy that, that is the most likely starter. But all it takes is one or two things, not just an injury, a bad game, or Gatewood showing he's not just good at throwing the deep ball, he's great at throwing the deep ball. If any of those things happen, I mean, how, how common is it to go through a season and not need another quarterback now? I think it's pretty uncommon. So I think we'll see both at some point this year, and they both better be ready. But uh, Levis, uh, from everything we hear, we've talked to guests on here that covered him at Penn State and other things you read, and you've talked to people. He is uh, certainly got, he's got a big arm and then uh, supposedly uh, you know a high football IQ. So uh, there's every reason to, to think that, you know, and that, that's why he's here, I'm sure, to, that he's a good fit for what they want to do. Yeah, that's right. You know, some guys come to the college level. I'll never forget. I, I, this sticks with me. Philip Rivers. I watched his first game, I want to say, against Arkansas State. Philip Rivers. This three-star former tight end prospect from Auburn, Alabama, who he just had it. Some guys just have it. And Levis has to get it in terms of the light going on and not getting tunnel vision and getting to that second read and that third read. But these are usually a function of experience. And so you have to hope that as he gets more experience, all of those other excellent qualities accentuate what he's doing and it just flourishes. And I think that's why Cohen's probably pretty excited about it. Justin, thanks for the time, as always. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Justin Rowland, catsillustrated.com, joining us on the drinksword.com hotline. 
Shield is the newest drink from the Sword Performance family. It's balanced electrolytes, natural ingredients, and bold fruit flavors. Check it out at drinksword.com. We're heading to a break. Coming back with Ken Spencer from WHAS-TV on the Leach Report Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Been skimming through a story that uh, is out at The Athletic from a group of their reporters about this Texas and Oklahoma story. And uh, it uh, mentions that not only is Texas A&M likely to be pushing back against this, uh, the Austin American Statesman reports that Missouri would also be voting against it. Uh, But um, 11 is the number, so they would need uh, four schools to vote against it to keep it from happening if it uh, gets to the point of a vote. Uh, The story goes on to mention that since ESPN runs the Longhorn Network as well as the SEC Network, and the SEC Network's been more profitable than the Longhorn Network, that maybe that that particular issue could be worked through. And uh, Ken Spencer joins us now from WHAS 11 in Louisville, longtime uh, former college athlete, longtime uh, has been covering college sports in this state. And boy, what what a crazy time you've got. Freedom of movement via transfers. You've got name, image, and likeness. You've got you know a, a Mike Tyson esque knockout punch from the Supreme Court in an antitrust case against the NCAA. Talk of a college football playoff expansion from four to twelve teams, and now possible massive realignment that might be set into motion. It, doesn't it just kind of feel like everything the NCAA was or used to be is quickly going away? Yeah, um, you know, especially with you know, how conferences are set up. I mean, if this move happens, and and this is just my personal opinion, you know, this isn't the SEC contacting Texas and Oklahoma. You know, like, remember, you know, when conference realignment and all that stuff, this was about, that was about conferences contacting schools and all this. This is two of the biggest schools in the country contacting the SEC and saying, we're interested in coming to you. Would you take us? I mean, that. I feel like when it gets to that point, it, that's that's gonna it's gonna happen, right? It's just a matter of time, and you know everybody else in the SEC is going to look at Texas A and M and Missouri and saying like, we get it, but do you realize the amount of money that we're going to bring in? Like we we get it, but we just don't care. Like they're coming. <laughs> Yeah, and it's you know it's it's going to be it's not going to be the coaches making this vote. It's going to be the presidents that are looking at those bottom lines, and um, it is a uh, could kick off uh, just a, a massive uh, shift. But you make a good point about the schools coming to the league, and you know if you're the league, you're like from the SEC standpoint, they may be fine. Their membership might be fine where they are, but if you say no to Texas and Oklahoma, then maybe they end up in the Big Ten. And then, you know, you're uh, trying to, you know, everybody's competing for the same TV dollars out there. No, when 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 they got a call, when Greg Sankey got the call, I would imagine that the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase's theme song started playing in his head. <laughs> and, like, that was all that he needed to hear. So, no, I mean, I, I think, like, look, when those two schools call, and, and, and you know, this is another step into, you know, a couple big, just super, super conferences. And obviously, you know, when it comes to the Big 12, I mean, this would be, 
I, I feel like this would be like the death blow. <laughs> yeah, one would think so. It, you know, it's it's you know from from a fan perspective. I mean, a lot of this, uh, well, almost all of this is driven by you know money and and, uh, and then some political power and all that mixed in too. But just for college football fans sitting back, you you know, it's going to be. I don't think any of us know what it's going to look like in say three years or five years. No, hundred percent. But you know, another person I thought about yesterday was Steve Sarkeesian who was the Alabama offensive coordinator, and he's gone on to be the head coach at Texas. This comes out, and all of a sudden, like, you have to think that Texas is probably put in the SEC West, and he knows what that's like. And he, I would imagine, like, he's probably, he's probably just put his head down and said, like, are you kidding me? I'm going up against Saban. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like, just just thinking about that, because obviously – He's going to Texas. He's thinking, I've got every opportunity to be successful. Maybe well, it's like, uh, with, and if you're Mark Stoops at Kentucky, and this is happening, you're sitting there. You've you've made a lot of progress climbing up that that mountain in this league, and you've you know passed some some other schools, and you're getting you know closer to the the top, and uh, getting to Atlanta at some point. You hope, and you're getting there to the top. You're getting close to the top of that mountain, closer you've been in a long time anyway. And then suddenly the fog clears out a little bit, and you're like, man, there's another peak on the mountain that I didn't see. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, especially, like, if they put Oklahoma in the east. You know, I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't don't know how any of that would work Or or one of the projections I saw yesterday had uh, ex-Oklahoma, Texas to the west, and Auburn and Alabama to the east. So that would be worse. Yes, yes. Like if, yes, it, if yes, anything, it would. If anything, like you would, if you're Kentucky, if anything, you want actually Oklahoma and Texas to the east, and keep Auburn, Alabama, exactly where they where they are. <laughs> and you you get you have to be going to I would think more conference games at that point. Which is something that obviously Mark Stoops has said. Hey, I don't I, I want no part of that. I mean, he said it this week and 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 wasn't wasn't shy about it. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I don't, I don't blame him. But yeah, if you add two other schools like that, you're going to play more conference games because it. I mean, you know, it's it's all about uh, it's all about financials at that point. Yeah, uh, as you've watched uh, media days unfold, and then now we're starting to look with an eye toward the season. Uh, we'll talk about it just from the Kentucky perspective here on, on this show. What are you uh, seeing and hearing out of media days that, uh, if anything, that's affecting your opinion on Kentucky? No, I mean, I, I still think the same thing that kind of coming in. You know, the, the two things that, that I will be looking at, you know, um, entering the season, and, and we didn't – I don't think anybody really thought they were going to get an answer at media days, and, and – and when UK actually holds their media day here in a couple of weeks, I don't think you're going to get an answer there either. You know, it really kind of comes down to, okay, who's going to be the starting quarterback? What's the offense going to look like when everybody can actually see it and see it in action? And then, you know, another huge question mark for me is, you know, what's the offensive line? You know, the identity that, that, that John Schlarman put in with that offensive line over the years, is that going to be able to continue? Um, because, you know, he's, he's not there anymore. And, you know, his spirit is there, clearly, but, you know, there's a new offensive line coach. And, you know, how does that, how does that move forward? I mean, they've been so successful up front for such a long time. I think those are, those are some massive questions that I think that you, that you have to have moving forward in this season. You know, on paper, they've got a lot of things in place. 
But, you know, especially in the SEC, especially in college football nowadays, you got to have a good quarterback. If you don't have a good quarterback, then your ceiling is much lower um, than, than what it could be. Yeah, it's it's amazing, I think, in some respects, what Kentucky has done in uh, football in recent years without having, uh, you know, a higher level of, of quarterback play and uh, uh, more uh, potent potency in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, their ability, I mean, honestly, and that really kind of speaks to the depth that they've had at running back mm-hmm. and the play that they've had up front to be able to be as successful as they have uh, and not be able to throw the ball and not be able to throw the ball, you know, down the field. You know, at times they get they, they have been able to get some chunk plays, but just not on a consistent basis. And, you know, to be, you know, they, they talk about, the you know, that, that next step and possibly getting to Atlanta. You've got to be able to overcome the, the Floridas and the Georgias on a consistent basis. You know, to be able to do that and, and you know, and, and Stoops has kind of said this in, in the past six months, and, and he's kind of beat it to death, but it's true. You have to be more balanced. You have to be able to do both, um, and you have to be able to hurt people and, and keep them on their heels a little bit. You know, um, Kentucky's been successful with, you know, defenses playing on the balls of their feet. You know what I mean? Like, they know what's coming. They're just trying to stop it. They just haven't been able to stop it at a consistent rate. Um, but if you can get teams playing on their heels, then it opens up everything so much. Um, and that's going to be, that's going to be the big challenge. And, and look, I mean, um, you know, over the years, you know, I've seen the Los Angeles Rams offense and, and how good that's been. You know, does that work at the, does that work at this level? Is, you know, Liam Cohen the guy? I mean, we're going to find out. And, and that's one of the things that, I think every year you think you know, but you don't know until you know, if that makes sense. Like until you start playing games, um, that's when we're going to find out a lot of our answers, and that's going to be good. And, and look, you know, they got Louisiana Monroe right out the gate, but then, boom, Missouri. That's a huge challenge for them. Yep. And so that's that we're going to find out a lot in the first couple weeks. Ken Spencer, thank you much. couple of Wildcat birthdays to mention. Stevie Johnson. Celebrating a birthday today, and Micah Johnson, uh, part of the uh, last team to beat LSU, with the Tigers coming back to or to uh, Kroger Field this year. We'll see you tomorrow with Freddie Maggard on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at.